You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. This lesson, as we are looking at keeping the blessed hope a blessing, because um, the believers were struggling with some false doctrine, we'll repeat that again in just a moment. But tonight we're going to look at Before the End as the title of the message, Before the End. And as Christians, you know, we really don't talk about the end of time all that much. Uh, and is this the end and all that? Because we know that really the end is the beginning. And I mean, what we consider the end. So when I talk about the end, I mean the end of the world as we know it, I suppose, as far as time. But there'll be a new uh, chapter after that. In just a moment, well, let's go ahead and read uh, chapter 2. Of First Thessalonians or Second Thessalonians, chapter two, and verses one through twelve. One through twelve. Now, we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto Him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind, or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as from us that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means. Now when I read these things, I'm thinking that for one thing, these people were being troubled by false doctrine concerning the second coming of Christ. Number two, when I look at number, verse number three, let no man deceive you by any means. What's that tell us also? There's deceitful people out there. There's people deceiving. Uh, some people, one in one... Uh, portion of the Bible, the Bible talks about those that that are deceived and that are deceiving and being deceived. So some people are deceived themselves, that's why they deceive others, Uh, then others, but there are some that are truly evil men and seducers, as the Bible says, but let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Remember ye not that when I was with you, I told you these things? And now ye know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked, notice uh, that should be a capital in uh, your Bible if you got a King James, then shall that wicked be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. And you can read about that in Revelation 19 when that takes place. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. There are some people look for signs. Well, you got to be careful because the devil can give signs as well and wonders and, and so forth. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish. Why are they perishing? Because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, 
God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they might all be damned, who believeth not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So this obviously is a, a, a tough section of verses here, and I am not even going to try to act like I'm dealing with all this tonight. But what Paul's doing in this section is he is laying out some things that have to happen before the end. Before the Lord comes, he's telling them some things that happen. And I'll say more about that in just a moment. But I want to speak just a moment on the second coming of Christ in general. Uh, totally that. Hey, you know what? Honestly, just run up here with something live is fine. Um, but uh, eschatology, anybody? Eschatology. Yeah, yeah, please. That may be dead too. We don't know. Uh, that's right. Somebody said the study of end times, and that is what eschatology is. Thank you, Christian. All right. So the truths of eschatology are neither vague uh, nor unclear nor are they unimportant. Now, it may be true, we were just having a conversation, I think, uh, Monday, and uh, someone mentioned that it's not maybe their favorite subject in times and all that. You know what? That's fine. Uh, but it doesn't mean that it's not important, okay? It doesn't have to be your favorite subject, and you can just say, well, you know what? I know he's coming. I believe he's coming. I'm going to be ready when he comes. Let's give this a try. Turned on. That's uh, it's going to be, uh, I'm going to be ready when it comes. So, but, but, it, but that doesn't mean just like any other thing that's taught in the Bible. It doesn't mean it's not important because it is. Uh, as in any book, how the story ends, how, how the story ends is the most crucial and compelling part. Is that not right? You read a story and uh, you, ever, you ever read a book and, uh, you know, and, and I don't know, I've, I'm, I'm not a novel reader by any, any stretch of the imagination, but if you read a book or something that does have a very good ending, it's like, and it, maybe, maybe it's building towards something. I watch movies, you know, and I, I, I think about instead of watching, reading novels, I watch movies and I watch the classics, you know, but, uh, but even like Elf, you know, being a classic, I mean, it's kind of like you, it's like, what's up with the ending of that, right? It's like so good, and then the ending's weird. But um, <laughs> that's just for us intelligent folks that know about Elf here. But uh, what I'm saying is the, the, it, the, the ending, how the story ends, is critical and it's compelling. And it's the same thing with the Bible. Scripture notes several very specific features of the end that's been planned by God. In the Old Testament... There's repeated mention of an earthly kingdom ruled by the Messiah, the Lord and Savior, who will come to reign. Throughout the Old Testament, we, we see that promised repeatedly. Uh, and, and, you know, we, we read about the first verbal prophecy of the cross being in Genesis 3, 
15. We mention that from time to time. But to my knowledge, the very first verbal prophecy of this promise of a king ruling is when uh, Jacob is blessing his sons and he goes down to the fourth and he looks at Judah and he says, Judah, it's going to be from you, from your tribe. And he promises a king and the Messiah coming through the tribe of Judah Basically, all the way back in the book of Genesis. So associated with that kingdom will be the salvation of Israel, the salvation of the Gentiles, the renewal of the earth from the effects of the curse, and the bodily resurrection of God's people who have died. And then finally, the Old Testament predicts that there will be the creation of a new heaven and a new earth, which will be the eternal state of the godly and a final hell for the ungodly. And yes, all of that is in the Old Testament. Promising this king, promising a new heaven and a new earth. Do you read about that? In Isaiah 66, I believe. And in the New Testament, these features are clarified and expanded. So throughout the Old Testament, it's promising these things. Throughout the New Testament, they are clarified. They are, are given a little bit more light, or a lot more light, if you will. The king was rejected. Number one, the king was born. And I've got to pause right there just for a moment just because uh, I always like bringing this up with, uh, with people when we talk about the second coming just because, as we've mentioned many times, there are many uh, churches, uh, whatever you want to call them, and many traditions, if you want to call that, that don't believe in the second coming of Christ. Therefore, there's a lot of people who are in our church that grew up not hearing about the second coming of Christ. And, and the second coming of Christ, if you can imagine, and again, if you could get a sense of all, how much of the Bible promises this king coming and the Lord coming and reigning and ruling and coming again and all that, uh, and, and if you can just imagine that being dismissed by many churches that said, oh yeah, that's just the Lord comes again for you when you die. And he takes you to heaven with him. That's the second coming. Uh, that's when the Lord comes again. That's what he's talking about. It's like, no, it, no, it's not. I promise you it's not. But, but I just pause to say that because even if you were brought up in a tradition that did not teach and believe in the second coming, I think there's, there's something that might just be able to help you accept it a little bit better. You know, you, you accept a coin and you put it in your pocket. Uh, you, you take the heads and the tails. Well, for all of your life, if you've been brought up in just about any Christian tradition, you have been brought up believing that Jesus Christ came the first time. Right? No doubt about that. And, and, and you celebrate, unto us a child is born, you know, and, and, you go, and we, we celebrate that. And, but but on, that sa on the same side, uh, or on the other side of that token is, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulders. And he shall be called the king, and he shall rule, and he shall reign, and he shall, and he shall come again, basically. So the same God and the same Bible that promised he would come the first time also promises that he'll come the second time. And in fact, he promises more often that he's coming. There's more promises concerning his second coming than there is his first coming. So, his first coming, we know that the king that was promised, that king Shiloh, that king that came from Judah, all the way down through the Old Testament, he was promised that when he came, he was rejected. Not only was he rejected, he was rejected to the point of being executed. I mean, they killed their king, folks. And there, there's some, there's, I've heard this interesting uh, little historical note 
that with the records of, uh, by and large, many of the records of Jewish people being destroyed, that as far the, the only person in the world that could ever prove that they're the rightful king of Israel that actually has a lineage written down to prove it is the Lord Jesus Christ. Because we have his lineage right in the book of Matthew. We have it right there. He is the rightful king. He is the one who is in line to take the throne. So he was, he was, he was rejected. He was executed. But praise God on the third day he rose again. And he promised to come back in glory. Bringing judgment, resurrection and his kingdom for all who believe. Innumerable Gentiles from every nation will be included among the redeemed. And I just think that's wonderful. Israel will be saved and grafted back in to the root of blessing from which she has been temporarily ex ex excised. And I'll say it's a, it's a cool thing there too because within our lifetime, if you look back over the last 2,000 years of human history, the Jews indeed have been generally set to the side. I mean, they were basically not a people. They were, they were a, a scattered people without a land, without a home country. But one of the cool signs, if you will, that's connected with many of the things before the end is that God is, has been turning His attention back toward the nation of Israel. In our, in, you know, within the last generation or two, going back to World War II, you know, or after World War II, whenever they were uh, given uh, a portion of their land back and were able to move in, and, uh, you know, it, it's even amazing how Hebrew, you, you study how Hebrew was able to be uh, still a language. That's a, an amazing thing in and of itself. Uh, but, but, but Hebrew, and then, and then for Jerusalem to be, you know, recognized as the capital of all these things, how God's turning His attention, and the, the inexplicable exodus that's still taking place in the world of Jews that are trying to get into Israel. They want to go to Israel from all over the world. People of means that are leaving countries where they're established and just say, man, we're just, we're just going to Israel. Why? We're going. Why? Because God said they would. God said they'd be gathered back in. It's, it's a lot of cool stuff. Uh, ask Dory if you've got any questions about it. Uh, but, uh, but, but there's so much cool stuff going on here. All right. So Israel's promised kingdom will be enjoyed. And I'll say that again. Israel's promised kingdom will be enjoyed. There's a, there's a very popular doctrine today that is just totally dismissing and saying that God's work with, with Israel is over. And that we, as God's people today, as the church, have totally supplanted and replaced Israel. Any promise that belonged to Israel now belongs to us. And that's a very popular teaching in this day and age. I, I say, I warn you about that, but I want you to study it for yourself. But you look in here... And, man, you've got to do a whole lot of dismissing and cutting out and everything else to dismiss the restoration of Israel. Israel's promised kingdom will be enjoyed with the Lord Savior reigning on the throne in the renewed earth, exercising power over the whole world, having taken back His rightful authority and receiving due honor and worship. Following that kingdom, there will come the dissolution of the renewed but still sin-stained creation and the subsequent creation of a new heaven and a new earth, which will be in the eternal state, separate forever from the ungodly. Someone had deceived the believers in our text 
All of these things that the Old Testament was building for, again, I, I go back and I just reiterate these promises that are connected with the coming of the Lord, they tie in all the way back to the Abrahamic covenant. When, when God told Abraham, this will be your land. All of it. Well, there's only been a time that all of it was there. But God said it will be. Then the Davidic covenant. When God told David, your son, of someone from your lineage, will rule. Not only will he rule Israel, he's going to sit on the throne and he's going to rule the world. He's going to rule the world. And folks, that's Jesus Christ and all these promises there. The Lord's coming again. Paul went preaching because if you remember, after Jesus resurrected, how long did Jesus stay on the earth after he resurrected? Forty days. A lot of people don't realize that. Forty days Jesus stayed on the earth after he, he was resurrected. Preaching and teaching. Uh, I probably should preach about that. I was actually I was working on preaching on that the Sunday after Easter because I thought that would be appropriate. But I ended up going a different direction. But 40 days he stayed on this earth uh, and then he ascended. And, it, you know, this is recorded in the Gospels, but it's also recorded in Acts chapter number 1. And in the record of Acts chapter number 1, the Bible says as he ascended... You know, he said, of course, uh, all power is given unto you in heaven and earth. Uh, go ye therefore and teach all nations. You know, so, so, so get to work. Hey, get, we, we've got a job to do until Jesus comes. But the, the angels then said, hey, why stand ye up here gazing into heaven? This same Jesus which ye see ascending into heaven. This is Acts chapter number 1, along 9, 10, somewhere through there. But it's Acts chapter number 1. This same Jesus that you see ascending up into heaven shall, come, shall so come in like manner. So you see him ascending, he's going to be descending again. You see him going up in the clouds, he's going to be returning in the clouds one day. And so therefore, based on all the teaching and the teaching of Jesus Christ himself out of Matthew 24 and other places, the thing, what the apostles taught, what the church taught and still teaches to this day, because the Bible teaches it, is that the Lord is indeed coming again. But... The Lord comes again, and there's two phases to the Lord's return. And what's, if, if you want to say that. So if we're going to talk about it in phases, what's the first phase of the Lord's return? We call it the rapture of the church. Is the word rapture in the Bible? Is the word Bible in the Bible? Okay, I just say that. People get fussy over so. Word rapture is not in the Bible. Neither is Sunday school, and you still do that, you know. Um, but, but no, but, but I'll tell you what is in the Bible. The calling away. The snatching away. In other words... The meaning of the word rapture is in the scripture, the, the calling away, the taking away. And there's going to be a period of seven years. There's a period of seven years of prophecy that has been left unfulfilled that will be fulfilled. But before that time of Jacob's trouble, Jesus returns for the redeemed, for all of those who have put their faith and trust in Christ, will be called up before the tribulation period, the time of Jacob's trouble, the seven years that you read about. The apocalypse. Right? You hear about that stuff. That's all real. And it's all coming. Um, but you don't have to be shaken in mind or troubled in spirit nor by word. Hey, keep the, the, the blessed hope is supposed to be a blessing. It's supposed to be something we look forward to as God's people. But so the, the rapture takes place. The tribulation begins in the, the verses we just read. It talked about the son of perdition. It talked about that wicked. And that's referring to, who's that referring to? Anybody? The Antichrist. A man who is possessed by Satan. But it's referring to the Antichrist. The last world dictator. That will rise. That will come. 
and, and, and it'll be a terrible time on the earth because it's kind of God's way of saying, you know, as we'll see just here in a moment maybe, it's God's way of saying, okay, this is what you wanted. You know, uh, Psalm 2, let us break their bands. Let us, cut the, let, let us cut their cords. We're tired of the restraints. We're, we're tired of the, 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 the people of God and the godly holding uh, back that which we want to do. Does that sound familiar? Kind of sounds a lot like today, don't it? Um, you know, the, the intolerance of people that, uh, that have the, the courage and the wherewithal and the boldness and the nerve to say, hey, that's wrong. That's perverted. That's evil. Uh, you know, th those that have the, the, the wherewithal to stand on the Word of God and say those things are, um, you know, again, there's not a lot of uh, love for that today. Now, so after the seven years, Jesus returns to the earth. The rapture, He returns to the clouds just like He ascended. Returns to the clouds, calls us, calls us up out of the earth. And the twinkling in a moment, uh, it's just, we just disappear. But in the second coming, when he returns to the earth, the Bible says every eye will see him. As the lightning shines, uh, lights in the east and shines to the west, every eye shall see him when he returns that second time, sets up his kingdom and so forth. I'm telling you all that just to tell you this. Paul had taught that to these Thessalonians. We, one of the greatest chapters on the, the, second, the, the rapture of the church is in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5. And then on top of that, he said over here in verse number 5 of chapter 2, he says, you remember that when I was with you, I told you this. I preached this to you before. Uh, but somebody had come along and said, no. Well, there's a couple factors. Number one, persecution that they were enduring just kept on coming. And then somebody comes along and says, well, you know why you're being persecuted, don't you? It's, it's the tribulation period. You're going through the tribulation period. There was probably somebody saying, don't worry, you just got to go through the first half. And maybe somebody was saying, you got to go through all seven years because this is the things that still people do today. But somebody come along, contrary to the teaching of Paul, and said, folks, you missed it. You're in the tribulation period. And they're freaking out. So Paul is having to address this. Someone had deceived the believers into thinking they were already living in the day of the Lord. The teaching probably first came through some kind of prophetic utterance, and but it was furthered by it was enhanced by a letter, and that's why there in verse number it's believed to be that because that's why he says there in verse number two of our text that you be not soon shaken in mind or troubled, neither by spirit. Notice that's with a lowercase s. So maybe someone said something like this: the spirit of God spoke to me and told me that we are going through the tribulation period. Ooh. Well, there's a problem there. you got to say, wait, so the same Spirit of God that inspired the Scripture, the Scripture which said we will not go through the tribulation period, but you're saying that same Spirit has now told you we are in the tribulation period. Yes. I was surprised when He spoke to me this way. And, and I speak this way facetiously and everything because uh, that's how people still do today with stuff. Here's what the Bible says clearly. But the Spirit of God spoke to me. Well, I don't deny that a Spirit spoke to you. 
Not at all. I'm not saying you didn't get a goosebump. I'm not saying you didn't have a dream. I'm not saying you didn't have a vision. But what I can promise you on the authority of God's Word is if the Spirit is leading you contrary to the Word of God, it is not the Holy Spirit of God. Mark it down. I mean, I, mean, I don't think there should be any opposition to that, right? It's, it's, uh, I felt like I was saying something controversial there, you know, like really lowering the hammer. I mean, it's just a kind of obvious thing. However, we know, especially, and that's one of the big things you find, it's, and it's not just with the charismatic movement and all that, but you find that a lot there. Um, but the point is, don't be soon shaken through, uh, by spirit, lowercase s. Don't be shaken by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as from us. So the idea is, so what some people read into that or believe that's being insinuated there is Paul is saying, somebody, it looks like perhaps somebody even wrote a letter and said, hey, look, this came from Paul. Because that's why he says, don't be disturbed even by a letter that came as by us. Now, again, that may not be what he's referring to, but most people agree that's the illusion there. He's saying that if, even if somebody, a letter seemed to come from us, God hasn't changed his mind. Right, the, the, the Word of God stands, the Scripture stands. So, God had not changed His program, and Paul had already, again, through the Holy Spirit of God, promised them deliverance from the tribulation period. The purpose, I, I, this is something Warren Wearsby said that I thought was good. He said, the purpose of Bible prophecy is not for us to make a calendar, but to build character. And that's just to allude to the fact that we do not know when the Lord's coming back. We really don't. Because uh, what happens with some people is they get so caught up in studying the return of the Lord. Nothing wrong with studying the return of the Lord. It's a Bible doctrine. But what they begin to do is they get so caught up that it, it, you can all of a sudden start getting exposed to people who are kind of reading the tea leaves, you know, in the bottom of the cup. And they're starting to figure out who the Antichrist is. And they're starting to say, well, my goodness, if... You know, uh, if, if this happened on this day and this country's involved and, you know, and people just start speculating on the return of the Lord, a lot of people do that. And by the way, there's a lot of people too. Uh, you actually saw this. You may or may not have saw this around COVID, but you started seeing a lot of the people that believe that, we, that we're going through the tribulation period coming out then too. Um, pretty popular. Uh, yeah, I say it was not, not an uncommon thing. You know, and I, I can tell you this for sure. People who thought that were warning about the mark of the beast are people that just don't know their Bibles well. Um, and I want to say this too before I get, uh, you know, to the first point that I'll give you next week. Um, <laughs> but uh, that really, when it comes to this, I think it's important to understand when it comes to eschatology, there are saved people who have a lot of different beliefs that. Not all, not all saved people believe right about the second coming of Christ. They don't. Uh, and so just because somebody doesn't believe right about the second coming of Christ doesn't necessarily mean that, that or it doesn't necessarily mean, it does not mean they're not saved. That's, that's not one of the things that, hey, trust in the Lord, believe he'll forgive you. And by the way, believe in the pre-trib uh, rapture and, and all that if you're going to be saved. That's not in there. Um, but if you rightly divide and study the Word of God, you will find out that this is the true, what the Bible teaches about it. But again, those that feel otherwise, it doesn't make them unsaved. But when it comes to setting dates, it's not about making a calendar, it's about building character. So to calm their hearts and stabilize their faith, 
Paul explained that they were not in the, in the day, the day of the Lord. The reason was simple. That day could not arrive until there were certain other events that took place first. Paul then stated for them the prophetic events that make up God's timetable. And that's where we get to point number one, and I'll just give it to you here uh, quick, quickly with a thought or two. And before the end, before the end, these people are worried, man, this is it. Before the end, there will be a rapture. There will be a rapture. Seven years before Jesus returns to set up His kingdom on this earth, uh, and at least a day before the seven years of tribulation starts, uh, Jesus, there will be a rapture before the end. Paul was trying to tell them, if you look at it here, I beseech you, brethren. He was telling them, don't be shaken. He was saying, calm down. I'm telling you, there's a truth here that we don't have to be upset. And I'm telling you, is, is there not a comfort in understanding that God's got everything under control? And that things are truly running on God's timetable. God, God has a timetable. And therefore, we don't really have to freak out and worry about this stuff. We really don't. Uh, we can have confidence. I mean, uh, I'm not saying there's not concerns because I want to be very clear on this. Just because I say and teach and believe because the Bible teaches that we will not endure the seven years of tribulation, that does not mean that we will not endure tribulation. As in hard times. It doesn't mean that. Um, you know, it, it's, it's not me sitting here saying, oh, don't worry, folks, about any of the things they're warning about in the country. Uh, you know, I told you, I don't get freaked out about much stuff. I really don't. Most stuff, I'm just like, yeah, whatever. Uh, you know, I mean, I just don't worry too much about, you know, the, the events that are going on in the world. Not that I'm concerned. Some of them I think to myself, well, what in the world am I, is, is me being worried about that going to do? You know? You got these few trillionaires or whatever that are supposed to be uh, calling the shots on all this stuff. Okay. Well, what can I do about that? Tell everybody you can, and then what? You know, I don't know. I just, and, I, and I'm not saying I believe that, but I'm just saying when you look at some of the things that people say, but I, I shared this with you recently, man, and I, maybe it's just being a child of the 90s or something. But the AI, AI stuff kind of freaks me out, man, right? It does. If there's, if there's something that could scare me, Shane, you know, right? I mean, is it, is it, is it, is it or is it not a true story that these, these computers at one time just all of a sudden started communicating with like how to kill, out, kill people or something? I believe that was told as a true story. I'm trying to scare you too, okay? Um, <laughs> and Richard would know better than me. He might just be sitting over there. Oh, no. But all I'm saying is that uh, I, I, I watched the Terminator. Like, look, a dude came back from the past and showed us what this would be like. Right? No, not really. Okay, I'm not being serious there. But I kid you not, you, this AI stuff just kind of freaks me out a little bit. Um, but you know what? And I'm not really, I'm not like actually worried or anything about it. You say you sound worried. I'm not worried. Uh, but it still freaks me out a little bit, okay? Hey, listen. Dude, the T-1000 or whatever could come through that door right now. That could happen before Jesus comes. Not really, okay? Understand what I'm saying. I'm just saying my concern is AI, right? And so I'm not saying, oh, don't worry, people. Before anything goes wrong, the rapture is going to happen. I'm not saying that at all. There's no telling what we may have to endure. 
But I know one thing we will not endure is a second of the seven years of tribulation. We may endure all kinds of stuff. I mean, listen, the day could come to, to where I'm getting dragged out of here and killed. And not by any of you. But like by, you know, other forces and stuff, right? Uh, that day could come. <laughs> but uh, that day, uh, so, so I'm not saying that there may not be some tribulation, but before the end, before this happens, folks, there will be a rapture. And that's what's being described in verses 1, verses 6 and 7. Um, and, um, and, and, the, and the second thing is, before the end... Also, this isn't the only two things, but just the only two things I'm going to share with you tonight. The, the, the other one is, before the end, the Antichrist will be revealed. The Antichrist will be revealed. And with the rapture, one of the big references of this chapter is, the Holy Spirit of God will be taken out of the way. The Holy Spirit of God will be taken out of the way, the restraining uh, force. In other words, it's not that the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's going to go out with the church in a sense, and man, it tells us something. The spirit of iniquity does already work. This is a message in all and of itself. The spirit of iniquity is working. Paul said it was working in that day. Well, what's working against it? What? It's really not a what. It's a what in one sense because it's the church. It's the Holy Spirit through the church. But you think about that. The church is supposed to be working against the spirit of iniquity. The spirit of iniquity is working. The church, folks, the church of God is the pillar and the ground of truth. How important is the church of God? The pillar and the ground of truth? Folks, I feel like what the, the prophecy that Isaiah gave has come to pass. He said truth has fallen in the streets. Truth has fallen in the streets. Truth has been wounded. Truth is laying uh, there, barely surviving. But I'm telling you one thing. By the grace of God, the church of God, the people of God, will continue to be a bastion of truth. We will continue to stand for the truth. We will continue to hold up the truths of God's Word. No, I mean, come what may, the church will do that until, the, until Jesus comes because the Holy Spirit's going to empower us to do that. But the church goes out, the Holy Spirit of God is taken out of the way. It doesn't mean that He's not going to be working in the earth. It just means He's not going to be in the way of allowing Satan and that spirit of Antichrist and that spirit of iniquity to say, okay, here it goes. You want a world without God? You want a world without rules? You want all of this stuff? then uh, here you go. You know, ain't it something that people are going to get mad at God for giving them what they want? It's what they wanted. It is. It's what people want. It's, uh, God, I mean, you think about this. I, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm coming to a stopping point, but I just see you keep having all these things come to my mind I want to share with you, all right? Uh, number one, I think, I think all the way back to Moses and, and, and Pharaoh being a good example. I believe it was, I believe it was like, a few, several times, it seemed like it might have been nine times, several times there, there was a, a talk about the hardening of Pharaoh's heart. But when you read the way it was phrased, it was several times Pharaoh hardened his heart. Pharaoh hardened his heart. Pharaoh hardened his heart. Pharaoh hardened his heart. Then finally God said, fine, Pharaoh, I'll harden your heart. I'll harden your heart. I'll harden your heart. And that's what happened to him. Romans 1 gives the example of those, you know, 2 Thessalonians in our text, chapter 2, those that receive not the love of the truth. 
Jesus loves you. Jesus died for you. Jesus wants to save you. Receive that truth. Receive the love of the truth. But Romans 1 warns about those who, 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 who kept dismissing God. They didn't want to retain God in their knowledge. They tried to change the glory of the Creator into that of insects and bugs and, and, and into the image of man. They began to be perverse in their ways. It warns about, in Romans 1, it warns about men with men working that which is unseemly. Women are, are going against natural desire. Women with women working that which is unseemly. You see uh, the, the, the way, but the Bible says this, that finally it says that they, that they cross the line and they cross the line and they cross the line. And finally, what the Bible says God gives them over to a reprobate mind. How dare God do that? How dare God do what? They kept crossing God's line, and they crossed God's line, and turning it over to a reprobate mind is God just finally saying, okay, I, I, you can go that way, but the problem with going that way is that there's consequences that go that way. The problem with going without God like the world ultimately is, going, is wanting to do and will do one day is that there's consequences that's going to follow that. Jesus paid all of your consequences already on the cross if you accept Him. But if you reject Him and reject Him and reject Him and reject Him, ultimately He'll let you reject Him. And people question the goodness of God in that, but that's, God works and God's patient. So let's all stand and we'll be dismissed. But uh, hey, folks, Jesus is coming, that's for sure. And there's a time that we will indeed stand before God one day. And so I want you to make sure today, if there's nothing else, I want to say to everyone here and everyone that may be listening, to make sure that you know that you have received the love of the truth. That you have accepted the glorious message of the gospel. You know the biggest reason why people reject it I, you could say pride I think pride would be in there arguably but I think another one would have to be uh, just the love the love of sin the love of self and the thought of having to let go to turn from sin uh, and turn to Christ that that a lot of people stumble at that but I want to encourage you today Man, the greatest thing I ever did was when I just said, Jesus, I want you more than anything. I want you to forgive me of my sin. I want you to come in my life. And uh, I want you to be my Savior. And I want you to be my Lord. Amen. And uh, so, child of God, hey, he's coming again. Don't be troubled. Don't be troubled. When I was a little kid, I used to be scared to death about a comet hitting the earth. Do you remember hearing about that stuff all the time? I was scared to death of that. Hey, a comet might still hit the earth in some sort of way. I ain't worried about it, though. I ain't worried about it a bit. No more. <laughs> All right. Well, let's pray. Lord, we thank you. We love you. And God, I do pray, God, if there's anybody listening, God, anyone at all, that has still been kind of holding on, maybe been on the fence a little bit, Lord, I pray that right, whatever it is they're holding on to, help them to realize, God, that that's not worth losing you over. That's not worth losing everything over. Help them, dear Lord God, just to turn their hearts toward you right now and ask you from the depths of their heart, Lord Jesus, help me right now to let go. Jesus, I want you as my Savior. I want you as my Lord. Will you please forgive me of my sin? 
come into my life and be my Savior. And help us as your people to live as if we believe in the return of the Lord. Well, thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.